you very much for playing for us tonight. And uh, I have a sign in my office that says, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. I really appreciate that very much tonight. Let's take our Bibles, please, tonight. Uh, let me remind you, uh, we're turning to Colossians chapter 3. Let me remind you about the missions conference next Sunday. And the, all the, the missionaries will be doing their presentations at 9.30, from 9.30 to 10.30. So the Sunday school hour, we will have the combined classes all in the auditorium. And the missionaries will be doing their presentations um, from 9.30 to 10.30. And if you want to see uh, some of the uh, presentations of the pictures and things that they're, and seeing where they're going to be going... They'll have tables set up in the fellowship hall, but to see something where they're actually presenting something on the screen up here, uh, you'll need to be here between 9.30 and 10.30. I hope that many of you will plan to do that. Colossians chapter 3 tonight. We are, last, last week we preached on the subject of forbearing one another or bearing with one another. Tonight I'm going to continue in that same verse that we looked at last week in Colossians chapter 3 where it says in verse 13, forbearing one another, that was our, our text for last week, but notice what it says, and forgiving one another, and forgiving one another. He's told us uh, in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, parallel passages, what we're to put off the old man and put on the new man. And it says in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels or hearts of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, this sounds like the fruit of the Spirit, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, underline that, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity or love, which is the overarching one another of Scripture, to love one another. Put on love, which is the bond of perfectness or unity. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called into one body, and be ye thankful. You want to do something in a church that will choke the church's unity around the neck, and that is have some people in the church that are unwilling to forgive. That'll do it. And in our own lives, it will choke us spiritually if we are unwilling to forgive. He says, I want you to forgive one another if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. It doesn't take us long to read through the Bible to realize that this forgiveness is a big issue with God. I don't go to movies, hadn't planned on it in 50-something years, over 50 years. But the last one I went to in 1971 was a movie that Ali McGraw and Ryan O'Neill starred in. I don't even know who they are, but 
and have long since forgotten, but I've not forgotten something that I heard in that movie. It was called The Love Story, which was nothing about love, not true love. But in that, in that uh, movie, there's a line also in a book about that that says this. Love means never to, having to say that you're sorry. There is a Greek word for that, baloney. <laughs> if we are Christians, we are practicing forgiveness over and over and over and over again. Seeking forgiveness, granting forgiveness. It happens in our own home. It happens in the workplace, at school, or wherever we are. We're to be a forgiving people. In the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, as you know, talks about how that love is patient and kind and long-suffering. You read through 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, and you realize that there's something about that list that tells us that we're not to keep a list. <laughs> we don't keep a list of people's wrongs. I told you about the lady who came to the pastor, and uh, she, they were, a couple had been married for just a couple of years, and she said, Pastor, I, we needed to get together with you. I've got a bunch of things I need to talk to you about. And said, my husband... I mean, from the first time we were dating each other, he came to the house and I set the garbage in the kitchen and I told him to take it out and he didn't take it out. Some of you men know what I'm talking about. Then after we got married, he put the toilet paper roll on upside down. It's supposed to go over the top. He put it under the bottom. And besides that, I noticed that I opened the drawer in the bathroom and he squeezed the toothpaste right in the middle. <laughs> squeezed it right in the middle. She says, wait a minute, pastor. And she reached in her pocketbook and pulled out a big list. And for the last several years, she had been keeping all of these offenses on a list. The pastor said, let me have that. He, she said, no, no way. So that's the only copy I've got. Over and over again, she was having offenses that she was not willing to forgive anybody for. A pastor friend of mine, pastor's in Tennessee now, one time pastor in Ohio. He told me a story, a great story. We've been, we've been great friends for many years. He said, brother, the other day I got a phone call. It just, it just blessed my heart. He said there was a deacon back at the church in Ohio that had something against the preacher. He said it was very difficult. He, he made it very difficult for me all the time that I was in that church. He called 16 years later and said, Pastor, I've got something I need to talk to you about. I want to ask for your forgiveness. He sought forgiveness 16 years later. That pastor said, oh, I willingly grant you forgiveness. And brother, let us get things together. Let's mend up this, this issue with each other. You may be tonight someone who would say, I will never forgive so-and-so. 
And I'll never forget what they did. I'm very thankful that God is a God who forgives. He leans forward toward forgiveness. Psalm 85, 6 talks about it. I'm glad that our God, when he forgives us our sin, he separates it for, as far as the east is from the west. I love that. He puts it back behind his back, never to be remembered anymore. Buries it in the deepest sea. I'm thankful for that all-knowing God who knows everything, who chooses to forget. He chooses to forget. You say, Pastor, I can't stand so-and-so. There's animosity in my heart building up about that person in my heart over and over again. I'm holding grudges. I've got envy in my heart as well. It could be against your mate. It might be that like we did as kids, this is before seatbelts, you know, uh, we didn't have seatbelts when I was growing up. I mean, we slept in the back of the car back there laid up by that windshield in the back. How many of you know what I'm talking about there? And if you went in a station wagon, a bunch of us all laid in the back. We weren't strapped into anything. Uh, anyhow, I remember traveling. We, our family traveled a good bit. And we were going from Arkansas, where I was born, to California. And uh, I remember we were all, they got us up, you know, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, put us in the car, and put us, three, three of us, my, me and my two sisters in the back seat, and uh, by the time we woke up good, though we were already making rules up, your pajamas do not need to touch my pajamas. There is a line drawn down here in this car. There are some couples tonight that have done the same thing in their bed. There's a line drawn around there, and don't you get over that line. Matter of fact, I'm turning my head the other way. I'm not speaking to you. Now, men, we have a tendency to blow up. We like to stomp the gas pedal. We like to, like to run out the driveway and squall the tires. Most women do not do that. They don't blow up. They just clam up. I'm not talking Bible tells us that we're not to let the sun go down upon our wrath and get it settled before we go to bed at night. Get matters settled because what happens is that anger that we started that night, the next morning does not wake up anger. It changes names overnight. It's called bitterness, like yeast and bread. It expands and grows. And we ought to be willing to lean like Jesus did toward forgiveness. I don't know tonight when we preach on forgiveness who comes to your mind. It may be your spouse. It might be an ex. It might be a parent. It might be a child that you need to seek forgiveness from or you, maybe you need to give them forgiveness it might be a co-worker, schoolmate, pastor, assistant pastor, youth pastor, deacon, teacher, 
maybe someone else, grandmother, grandpa, police officer, sister, brother, cousin, church member. I don't know who it is. Maybe somebody did something to you in the past. Maybe they're dead now. And you said, I could never forgive them. A couple of different times in the 40 years of my pastorate, I've had people bring me a list. I keep notes from people that bring me notes. And some of them, uh, I read them. I try to learn from them. And if they're negative, I put them in the round file. That's the trash can. I've got some notes from folks in this church that are already in a file that I'm keeping. Because sometimes when I get discouraged, I go to that file and I open it up and I read some of those encouraging notes. When those folks brought that list, the first one was 21 things on the list. 21 items on the list. Preacher, we were doing door-to-door visitation. I was on the other side of the street over there. You never once crossed that street to shake my hand. Not one time. And the whole time we were going up and down that road doing door-to-door visitation. Pastor, when we were having handshaking time in the church, you did not look me in the eyes. There were several things, there were four or five things that were legitimate things. I mean, things I needed to ask forgiveness from. The next time, this was in a different church, the list wasn't 21, but it was 15 things, and there was a list. And when you get a list, you learn from the list. There are some legitimate things you need to learn from, things that need to be corrected, things you need to ask forgiveness for. And whatever it is, you just say, I can forgive you for this or you, I'll, I'm seeking forgiveness for this or whatever. But there's certain things that are just absolutely ridiculous. But all and through all of that, I do not say, look, let's just throw the list away. I say what we need to do is make things right with each other. We ought to seek forgiveness. Notice in Colossians chapter 3 where it said, In verse 14, above all these things, put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. That means unity. God is seeking unity in our midst. He wants us to be united as believers. You ask this question, and many have asked me this. Well, preacher, whose move is supposed to be first? I mean, Am I supposed to go to them or are they supposed to come to me? Do you know what the answer to that is? Yes. The answer is yes. Let's look first of all at Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18. A church we, a passage we often use and and church discipline. But notice Matthew 18 beginning in verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. 
If he has done something against you, it's your move. It's your move. What if you realize that somebody has done something against you? Notice Matthew chapter 5. I, I have this underlined in my Bible as well. Matthew chapter 5. Here we are coming and doing something before the altar for God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, he's got something against you. Whose move? Mine. It's my move. It's always my move. If you remember that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar. Go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. It's always our move. In, in reality, the perfect thing would be that you'd meet in the middle, but I'm not responsible for their response, but I am responsible for mine. I'm responsible for mine. The book of Philemon, I have preached uh, several times. I even preached it at a funeral of some relatives of ours that couldn't get along with each other. I used Philemon at the graveside service and Philemon is after Titus. If you'll look over there with me, one chapter, of course, a little book, the book of Philemon. Philemon is a Christian man. He owned a slave by the name of Onesimus who had escaped, come down, got saved. Uh, Paul led him to the Lord, and now Paul's sending him back. Notice what it says in verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother. So there's, we talked about Timothy this morning and Paul. Unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. So he's calling him a fellow laborer, dearly beloved. And then it says, he's also to Archippus, in verse 2, our fellow soldier and the church in thy house. Verse 4, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. I mean, this is a, a, a fellow who was living for the Lord. He said that the communication, verse 6, of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels, the hearts of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. You, you are an encouragement. Philemon, you're an encouragement. He's writing a letter to him. Verse 9. Yet for love's sake, I'd rather beseech thee, being such as one as Paul the aged. He's reminding me he's older. And now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You can almost hear the chains rattling. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, again, not his literal son, somebody he had led to Christ and was discipling, whom I have begotten in my bonds while here in prison, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. I mean, this is the, the touch of the master's hand, if you remember the old poem. And when I have sent again... And therefore, I want you to do this, he said, verse 12. Therefore, receive him. And he's going to repeat that. Receive him that is my own bowels or my own heart. 
whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, and without, any of your, without your permission, I'm not going to keep him down here helping me in the work, that thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season. I mean, maybe just left for a while and was going to come back. That thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, not as one of your slaves, but above a servant, receive him now as a brother. This is a Christian. You're to receive him as a Christian, a Christian beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord, and then verse 17, if thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. I want you to forgive this man. You receive him back into your home. And then verse 18, if he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. Just like Jesus did for you and me. I want you to forgive that man. I want you to forgive Onesimus. I think of my Savior. In Luke chapter 23, we sang about it in our first song. My Savior was beaten, spat upon, mocked, a crown of thorns pressed in his brow. He's hanging there upon the cross, spear in his side. And of the, one of the seven sayings that he says upon the cross is, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. He's not granting blanket forgiveness to them. This doesn't mean that all those people are now going to go to heaven. But it shows me the spirit of our Savior when what he's going through, he's leaning forward toward forgiveness. He's leaning forward toward forgiveness just like you and I are to lean forward toward forgiveness. You say, preacher, over and over again... That person has, keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again. How many times am I to forgive him? I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. How many times have we looked at this ourselves, Wondering how many times are we supposed to forgive that person? Matthew 18, verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? I mean, until seven times. I mean, wouldn't seven times be enough? Number of completion? I mean, seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seven, 70 times seven. 490 is not a magical number. He just means you need to keep on forgiving. Keep on forgiving. Had a situation in a church probably 12 years ago, and uh, I had asked for forgiveness in a situation. Nothing moral, no financial issues or anything, asked for forgiveness. And the person said, uh, I forgive you. And then the next day came back to me and said, I'm withdrawing my forgiveness. I talked to my wife and she doesn't think you really repented. 
I've never heard of withdrawn forgiveness myself, but it, it happened. It happened in that case. Here's the passage I went to. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Verses 3, 4, and 5. Jesus is speaking. He said, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. I mean, that means you can confront him with the truth. And if he repent, what are we to do? Forgive him. Forgive him. And notice verse 4. And if he trespass against thee, Seven times in a day. Now you take the waking hours and you take the waking hours and during those waking hours, if the person does the same thing over and over again, seven times in the same day, he says. And seven times in a day, turn again to thee and saying, I repent. What should be our response? The end of verse four. Thou shalt forgive him. Thou shalt forgive him. Lean forward and employ forgiveness. The disciples heard that and they said, well, this is hard to listen to. And notice what they said in the next verse. The apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. It's going to take a lot of faith to believe that I could just keep doing it over. But if they ask for forgiveness, what do we do? Forgive them. Forgive them. In Matthew chapter 6, I, uh, I've studied this because I've needed it myself several times in 40 years. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. In Mark chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, Mark chapter 11, 25 and 26. Again, these are Verses marked in my Bible. I've gone back to them many times. And when you stand praying, you might be kneeling one time, this time if you're standing. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Do you think forgiveness is a serious issue? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not only leaning hard toward forgiveness, but employing it as well. The Apostle Paul worked very hard at keeping a clear conscience. In Acts chapter 24 and verse 16 Paul said, and herein do I exercise myself. When I hear the word exercise, it sounds like work to me. And herein do I exercise myself 
to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. That's not just enough to say, Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. I'm working hard at having a clear conscience that I've asked others for their forgiveness as well, and I've granted forgiveness to others. I have worked hard, as we call it, one of the things we call it, keeping short accounts. We kept short accounts with God. Don't let it go like David did before Psalm 51 came about. Short accounts with God and short accounts with others. Don't let it go very long before getting it settled. I'm afraid that what we found in the Christian life is what we call performance Christianity. We've been trying to live on the outside as a Christian. We may even go soul winning or we may be doing some service for Christ in the church, but there's no fruit on the inside because we say, I cannot forgive. There's no unity. No unity in the fellowship. I call it, it's the burr that's in your saddle. You've got a burr in your saddle or I've got one in mine and I'm not willing to get it right. In Ephesians chapter 4, parallel passage to Colossians chapter 3, this is the passage on putting on and putting off. And in Ephesians chapter 4, did you know in my Bible, I underline verses in my Bible and sometimes there are certain chapters that I've underlined every verse in the whole chapter. And I wonder why I underline that. I mean, I just read that. This is one of those chapters. Notice verse 22, Ephesians 4. That you put off concerning the former conversation or manner of life, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It happens as our minds are transformed by the word of God, our thinking transformed. So it's a put off, renewing of our minds, and then put on, verse 24, the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And he's going to describe what that new man looks like. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. We've preached on that already. Be angry and sin not. There are certain things that we get angry at, things that God is angry at. It's all right for us to get angry at. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Get it settled. Neither give place to the devil. That gives him a foothold when we do not settle things as we should. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed on the day of redemption. And notice verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. There it is. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. 
You say, preacher, is this forgiveness thing a big deal? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think about how Jesus forgave me and still forgives me. As I come to him in true repentance, placing it under the blood of Christ, he forgives. He forgives over and over and over again. If I let that anger and a lack of forgiveness continue to brew, it turns into bitterness. How serious is the bitterness? Hebrews 12 and verse 15. Hebrews 12, 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Boy, it will trouble you. Some of the trouble is not just emotionally. It can be, it'll be spiritually, definitely. It can even be physical trouble. Sicknesses. Because we've got bitterness. Any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. But notice this, the end of verse 15. And thereby many be defiled. The most dangerous word in that verse is the word many. People told me, you know, I, I preacher, I, I, I smoke cigarettes. Uh, I mean, we lived over in tobacco country over there in Whiteville, North Carolina. And, and uh, they said, preacher... It doesn't hurt anybody but me. And you go to the house and there's smoke all through the house and all those kids are breathing it and they wonder why they're going back and forth to the emergency room with asthma and all kinds of different problems because what we do does affect other people. And in our bitterness, others can be defiled. Sometimes, it's our own children. Our bitterness causes them to be bitter as well. Many be defiled. I uh, am married Barbara back in 1974. She was from a town in South Carolina, uh, Lexington, outside of Columbia. In June of 2015, a 21-year-old young man by the name of Dylan Roof, he was from Lexington. He went to White Knoll High School and dropped out. His family members, his family was all broken up even before that. They said that he spent most of his time drinking drugs and video games. But he developed in his heart and on the internet, a hatred for African-American people. June 17, 2015, that Lexington, South Carolina boy drove down to Charleston, South Carolina. I'm from Somerville, which is right outside of Charleston. I've been by this church before many times. On a Wednesday night, he went into their Bible study carrying a bag with him and participated in the Bible study. There to listen. At the end of that Bible study, he stood up, pulled out a pistol, and shot and killed nine people, including the pastor. Horrific. We all heard about it. Matter of fact, the, the next day they arrested the boy over here in Shelby. They arrested him right here in Shelby. 
48 hours after the shooting at his first court appearance. Who was there? Several people from that church. Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston. The lady who was actually conducting the Bible study, Myra Thompson, was one of those that was killed. The pastor, the assist, an assistant pastor, the teacher Myra Thompson was one of them. A coach from Goose Creek High School was killed. And in that hearing, 48 hours after that shooting took place, Anthony Thompson, the husband of Myra Thompson, who was killed, said to Dylan Roof in that courtroom, these words, I forgive you. I forgive you. But he says, goes on to say, but we would like to take this opportunity for you to repent. Repent, confess, and give your life to the one who matters most, Christ, so that he can change it, can change your ways no matter what happens to you. You'll still be okay. Do that and you'll be better off than you were right now. I forgive you. Spouse, parent, grandparent, pastor, youth pastor, boss, co-worker, schoolmate, church member. I forgive you. Corey Tim Boone, Dutch Christians, you know the story. Her father and uh, was captured. Uh, Corey and her sister were put in a concentration camp. And she writes this several years later. She was speaking before some people on the subject of forgiveness. Corey Tim Boone had seen in that, in that concentration camp where the guards just did horrific things to the ladies there. She said it was a church service in Munich that I saw him. He was a former guard, a man who stood guard at the shower door in the processing center at Ravenbrook's. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time in the camp. And suddenly, it was all there. I could see in my mind the, the room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy, my sister's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying and beaming and, and bowing. He said, how grateful I am for your message tonight. He said, I, I think that as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had been speaking so often to people in that area on the need to forgive, I kept my hand by my side. Even as the anger, vengeful thoughts boiled up through me, I saw the sin of them, all that those men had done. But Jesus Christ had died for that man. I was 
going to ask for more. Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I, I, struggles to, it took struggles to raise my hand. I, I could not. I, I felt nothing but the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed the silent prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray. I can't forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I raised my hand and took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprung a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. So I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness anymore than on our goodness that the world's healings hinges, but upon his. When he tells me to love our enemies, he gives along with that command the love itself. She goes on to say this. She said about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. That night she was willing to say to that man after all those years, I forgive you. I forgive you. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Let's bow for prayer. Before we pray tonight, there may be somebody or several people that come to your mind. Parent, grandparent, grandpa that's dead, cousin, neighbor, co-worker, youth pastor, somebody that has done something to you, said something to you, whether they're living or not living. But you know that tonight God says you're to forgive. Maybe tonight you need to seek out somebody, even in this church, and say, look, I have something against you and I want to make things right with you tonight. I want there to be unity across roads. Maybe that person is not even in this building, but maybe you need to make a phone call either later tonight or sometime tomorrow or, or write a letter or whatever you need to do to seek forgiveness or grant forgiveness to someone else. For the Bible says that we are to forgive one another even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Father, tonight, would you give us faith to believe that what you said is exactly the truth? Would you grant us grace, the gasoline, to do what you've asked us to do? Help us, to, Lord, to, to take initiative to say, look, 
If it's my move, no matter what, I'm going to take initiative to go to somebody and tell them, look, I need to get something right with you. Or if I realize they have something against me, I'm going to take the move too. I'm going to go to that person and say, look, I want to get that thing right. Lord, help us to be a people who, like our Savior, leaned hard toward forgiveness and employed it. Help us to do the same. Help us to be like Jesus as a forgiving person. And help us to forgive others just as Jesus has forgiven us. Father, tonight our altar will be open and I pray that God, you would do a work tonight again that only you could get credit for. For God, you're granting and desiring tonight, pouring out your grace more and more on this church tonight and in my heart as well that we would be willing to obey you and that God we would be able to leave this place no longer with the shackles of selfishness no longer with the chains of bitterness and no more with the handcuffs of lack of forgiveness and we'll thank you in Jesus name